Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Back in on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. It is a day after number one goes down. That would be UConn going down to Creighton in Omaha. Also, we have the Tigers playing tonight. We have a lot of college basketball to talk. So let's bring on Kevin Sweeney. He uh, writes college basketball for... Sports Illustrated, and he is a contributor to Field of 68. He is on X at CBB underscore Central. Kevin, what's the word, man? How are you? Good, man. Appreciate you having me on. Of course, as always. So, uh, UConn, did we did we see the uh, blueprint to beat them? Shoot 14 for 28 from three? Is that, is that the, only, uh, the only thing we can really uh, come up with when it comes to uh, getting over top of them? Yeah, I mean, look, never missing a shot tends to help you in ball games. <laughs> right. Creighton was, Creighton was really good yesterday. Right? It's a Creighton team that has high, high-level shot makers, has the ability, I think, to beat almost anyone in the country because of that. Um, look, I think there were maybe some things you could nitpick with UConn. And think, like, look, I think Creighton did a phenomenal job of taking away the three-point line for UConn. Like, that, is a, that team gets so many good looks from three, and they did a great job defending the arc, running them off the line, uh, forcing the play downhill, and I think it you know, caused a struggle. They're not a... UConn is not the most shifty team with the ball in their hands. They don't get downhill. They don't fly around uh, the same way that other elite teams do. So uh, I think that was that was a blueprint. Maybe some teams will try to follow, but you know, certainly easier said than done. And uh, yes. no, no panic alarms here for UConn. Right. That's the thing, though, Kevin. Like I, I'm, I'm watching that game and I'm seeing how it's going, especially in that second half. And uh, quite frankly, I feel no different. I don't. I don't. I don't feel different about UConn. In fact, I may feel even a little bit better because it, it almost feels wrong to have a team just winning and winning and winning and winning and not dropping a game heading into the tournament. Yeah, you don't want to peak too early, right? Like, at the end of the day, I think we've seen that with teams throughout the years, right? Like, um, you know, the best team in the end of January is not the team that wins the title. And, um, look, I think if you're UConn, you hope, obviously, that this doesn't spiral on them, that this is just, all right, like, we ran into a, a bug fall last night. Let's, let's – shake ourselves off and go be Villanova on Saturday and they do that, they're going to be fine. But yeah, um, yeah again, I, I think they're a complete team. I have no concerns. Yeah, no question about it. Now, uh, we did have another team last night, and this has gone under the radar um, because they really had high hopes coming into the year and they struggled through the out-of-conference. But St. Mary's is the, is the team that has, has now set the, uh, the, the active streak for wins right now. They're at 14. They, they've been phenomenal. What has changed for them? What has changed for them um, is, is it getting into conference? I know the West Coast Conference can be can be tough at times, but it hasn't been as tough with Gonzaga the way they are. But St. Mary's has been rolling. 
Yeah, I mean, look, they played a really hard non-conference schedule. They, you know, lost to San Diego State. Okay, it happened. They lost to Xavier. Again, it happened. They played Utah. Lost that game. Close game. Uh, lost to Boise, who's a tournament team, right? So I think none of those none of those losses were, you know, indictments. Yeah, they had, you know, a slip-up or two. Lost to Missouri State. That shouldn't have happened. But I, I think as they've gotten more comfortable with this backcourt arrangement with Aiden Mahaney and, and Augustus Marshallonis, they've just looked so, so dynamic offensively to go with obviously being just a elite defense. They always are under Randy Bennett. So uh, they did just lose Joshua Jefferson, their starting power forward for the year with a knee injury. That's a big deal. He's an athlete, a guy, a guy that I think helps them match up in bigger games. But um, at the end of the day, I think this is a team that has some, some real dangerous assets uh, in the NCAA tournament because of the way that they defend, how disciplined they are, uh, and then they have two tremendous starts. Now, uh, holler at me about the selection committee uh, last Saturday revealing their top 16. I know that, th- that some teams have taken some L's. Um, right after that, we had Wisconsin, Auburn, Purdue, and Marquette take L's. And since then, uh, of course, we have UConn taking it out. What did you think of the top 16? Did you think they got it right? Did, did, you, did you like sort of where they had them placed? Yeah, look, I didn't have any major, major gripes. Look, I thought North Carolina was probably a little bit overvalued uh, at five. I would have had them six or seven. Um, but they did, you know, some great work in the non-conference. You know, beat Tennessee on their home court, played Oklahoma on a neutral and beat them. You know, their losses are tremendous. Like, they don't really have a bad one in their mix. So, I think that certainly helps them. Uh, San Diego State being in the top 16 was a good sign for the Mountain West. Obviously, a team that, you know, has done a great job in past years. Obviously, the March run, I think, gives them some credibility um, but you know, seeing some of the wins that they have rewarded, I think is a good sign. If you're Colorado State, if you're Utah State, if you're Nevada, you know, if you if you want to be seated highly, seeing San Diego State as the four is, is pretty good news for them. And of course, they lost. They lost last night. But I, I do have to. I do have to say this, Brian Dutcher, man. I, I know that we give him a lot of credit for the the run he made last year. But do we give him enough credit? Like that's the question I keep coming back to. We're seven seasons in with them replacing a legend. He has been unbelievable. I mean, look, think about how hard it is to do that and how few guys want the responsibility of having to follow the guy. And, and for him to, to take it on and, and really not miss a beat, it's so much credit to him. You know, defensively, obviously, they've, they've established a, a culture. Look, I think there's, there's a few teams in college basketball where like, I can go to a recruiting event and I can watch the players on the floor and be like, yeah, that's the kid that would go to, to, to that school. Right. Houston is the number one example of that. I walk into a gym, I know the kid that Houston's recruiting. Sinners stay kind of the same way. Like they, they want toughness, they want physicality, they want kids who will you know, be patient and, and wait by their time, wait in their roles. I mean, they have two guys in their rotation this year who redshirted last year. That doesn't happen anymore. Right. So, uh, I, I just give D- Dutch an unbelievable amount of credit, and they're going to be dangerous again. Yeah, and then you, you talk about that program building there. I think when we talk about building programs, what Danny Hurley's done at UConn is unbelievable as well. He's had some guys that have stayed for a while, and also he's gotten some uh, multi-year transfers that have been able to sort of uh, help him establish a culture. Now, I want to transition this to Memphis and St. John's as well. We'll start with Memphis, though. I, I, I just... I'm curious your thoughts on the way that program is being built at this current juncture. I mean, we, we had Penny Hardaway early in his tenure with number one recruiting classes, a lot of high school guys. He's transitioned completely to rent teams And we're seeing that as much as, you know, um, the transfer portal theoretically does not help any coaches in, in, in buying time if they're struggling – 
At the same time, if you have a team full of transfers, seemingly, it is not working. It's showing that you need continuity, you need a program builder, you need um, an identity, a culture, and it doesn't feel like this Memphis team has that at this current moment. So a few things there. First off, I saw a stat the other day from 24-7 Sports. Every high major team that took eight or more transfers this spring is going to miss the NCAA tournament. Right. Right. Like, it is unbelievably hard to just flip your roster and bring in hired guns. I think the thing that goes along with that, especially in the NIL world, is once you hit adversity, which is obviously what this team hit in in early to mid-January, once things start to go bad, it's very easy for everyone to to you know, just call it off and be like, we're good, right? Like if, if I'm if I'm in my last year of college and things are going downhill and I've got my checks already and I'm good, like like what is my investment in the program, right? And I think a place like Memphis, like it's such a proud basketball program, a proud basketball city. And I think, like I, I just don't know how you build it with kids that don't show respect for that or understand that. Right. And to me, like that, that has to be critical. You need guys in your program. Yes, you have to be able to recruit the portal. Yes, you have to go out and say, yes, we, you know, we're missing a shooting guard. I mean, UConn is a great example. They went and got Cam Spencer in the spring, you know, helped them uh, you know, retain being an elite team. But at the same time, like, you have to have guys in your program who understand what Memphis means, understand what Penny wants. And I just don't think he has guys he can get through to right now. And then also, and, and I want to bounce this off you because I've been talking about this a lot. It feels like when he went into the portal, yeah, he got everything he could at that moment, and he got quite a lot when it came to talent. But you had a lot of guys who theoretically are high-octane, uh, high-volume offensive players, and he continues to try to stake his claim to this defensive identity that clearly this team can't latch on to. And it feels like the personnel does not match what he wants to do in the end of the day. No matter how much talent you have, you have to have people that fit. And I don't know if Penny has had any adjustments along the way. Look, I'll say this, and this is going to come off as probably a pretty strong criticism. The way I just said you know what a San Diego State kid looks like or a Houston kid looks like, I know when a name hits the portal what a Memphis kid looks like. And it's not mm. the right kids to build your program with. It's the guys who bounced around from school to school and are looking for their last stop. It's the right. guys who are chasing the biggest check in the spring late. right? And, and part of it is the position Penny puts himself in by turning over the roster so heavily, by needing bodies in June and July when those guys can leverage you for the most money and the best deal. right? Like, like That's another reason you need continuity, right? is because it forces them to take those type kids, right? Like when Naquan Tomlin hit the portal, it was always like, that was like the first thing that came to mind, West Virginia and Memphis. And mm-hmm. like, that's just not the sentence you want to be in right now. Like, again, you have to build teams still. You cannot, you cannot just collect the eight best scorers in the portal and hope to translate it to wins. It won't work. Yeah. Now let me ask you this about Penny, the on-court coach. And I, you don't have to mince words. If if you don't feel that way, it could be negative. It could be positive. What do you feel about Penny Hardaway, the on-court coach? Look, I think the thing that Penny has done the best throughout his tenure, and I think it's what makes this year so frustrating, is he has done a phenomenal job of coaching effort and getting guys to play incredibly hard. Like, I, I think they're, I think it's hard to separate. Like, okay, here's. You know, this guy runs better sets than that guy. I can't watch enough basketball at every team and be that in depth right. and say his sets are better than his sets are better than his sets. I think the big questions with Penny are always going to be how does he adjust when things are going poorly? Uh, and two, is he able to get the most out of teams? And I think for the most part, especially the last couple of years until this year, 
I would give him a really strong grade in mm-hmm. how he has gotten guys to play hard for him and, and play hard for Memphis, and that just has turned 180 this year. Yeah. Now, uh, let's go to another team that had, what, seven or more transfers. That would be St. John's. They're not going to make the tournament. They're 14-12. and 12. What did you think of Rick Patino Calling guys out by name. He's too slow. He's he's physically weak. And then he comes back the next day. He said, I wasn't trying to rip anybody. I, would, I, I wanted them to see it so they could they could take it upon themselves to get better in the areas that I was I was sort of going after. What did you think of, of his sort of tirade after that loss against Seton Hall? Look, I'll say this. Rick Pitino has never been one to blame anyone uh, other than everyone not named Rick Pitino, right? Like, every, every, everyone, like the, the blame is always going right. everywhere else but him. That being said, Rick Pitino is a great coach. And it has, like, this ta- these tactics have worked before. People say, oh, maybe it can't work with 2024 20, kids, right? Like, I just think at the end of the day, if a kid is going to be turned off by Rick Pitino challenging him in the media, those are not the kids that Rick Pitino wants to coach. Right. And if those kids transfer because of that or those kids don't or, or the future kids don't want to come because of that, he is good with that. I mean, Rick Pitino did not build national championship level teams just by recruiting McDonald's All Americans. I mean, a lot of the guys that he has won with have been guys that other people passed over and he saw something in. And so I think with with this portal build where they had to, you know, rebuild on the fly in the spring. I think he wasn't able to do that. He wasn't able to evaluate the depth that he normally does. He made some mistakes in evaluating guys, didn't take the right transfers. And now I think he's in a position where he's like, look, look, I just need kids to play Rick Pitino basketball. Otherwise, like we're never going to get to where I want to go. So um, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I didn't think it was demeaning. Like at the end of the day, he said guys were physically weak and, you know, not quick laterally, right? Like that's yeah. – that's different than saying he's soft, he stinks, right? If he had said that, I would have problems. I think I think the criticism was fair, it was warranted, and it's the type of kids that Rick Pacino wants anyway. Now, forgive me for asking this, though. At 71 years of age and a different uh, you know, college basketball general, I know he was solid at Iona, but like I, at this level again, do you think he can recapture what he did at Louisville in the national championship? Like, Do you think he can recapture what he once had? I'm not sure. Um, I think they. Can, I think he can get St. John's to relevance. I think he can get St. John's to, to making the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Can he win a national championship at St. John's? I, I don't know. I don't really think so. Um, but I don't know that that's age-related or anything like that. I just think it's, it's really hard at that level to, to build championship-level teams. St. John's is not UConn. Uh, I think a lot of the Big East schools are not, are not UConn in terms of the ability to, to recruit the highest, highest-level player, um, the ability to retain those guys. So... Look, I, I think with Rick, I think he's been able to find kids, even at Iona, that were high, high-level talents. When you look at where those guys are now, I mean, Walter Clayton's been phenomenal at Florida. Um, you know, he was in that backcourt last year with Danis Jenkins. Like, I, I think he will be able to find the right guys and be able to win at St. John's. I just don't know if it'll be quite the level that maybe people anticipated when he first took the job. So talking with Kevin Sweeney at CBB underscore Central. He writes college basketball for uh, Sports Illustrated also. He is a uh, contributor to Field of 68. Now, you you uh, on Field of 68, or well, I guess it would have been, uh, yeah, it would have been on Field of 68. You were talking about Nate Oates and the potential for him leaving Alabama for another job. Uh, sort of speak to that. And also, is, are there any other sort of big-name coaches that you could see being on the move this offseason? Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's overly likely that Nate moves this spring unless – one, Michigan State were to open because of an ISO retirement, or two, Kentucky were to open because of a Calipari firing, which is not at all likely. At right. Point. 
So to me, like those, those are the two jobs I would worry about with him. Um, I think the guys more likely to move are names like Sean Miller at Xavier, uh, Greg McDermott, uh, Eric Musselman. Uh, I would add Jerome Tang from Kansas State to that list. I think those are the types of names you hear the most when you're talking about this guy could be on the move job to job. I do think there will be more sitting high major coaches interested in seemingly lateral moves this spring because I think a lot of moves aren't so lateral anymore when you consider NIL situations. I think that's something that's going to drive a lot of carousel talk this year. Uh, and then just one thing with, with carousel stuff, and Nate Oates is a good example of this, um, the buyouts are, are important to watch. I mean, Nate Oates is a $10 million buyout to leave Alabama. That's not a tenable number for pretty much anyone. Right. Um, it's much different than, oh, we have to pay X to fire the coach. That one-time payment to get the guy to leave his contract is really, really hard to pull off, and, and I'd be surprised if anyone paid more than five this cycle. So uh, there's names you can cross off. I, I think Nate is close to cross off. I think um, T.J. Osselberger at Iowa State is another name that you could basically eliminate from, from those conversations. There's not a lot of guys that are going to be able to move when they have numbers attached to their name like that. Yeah, it's just substantially different than football, right? <laughs> because it seems like regardless of the situation, if a, if a team, a high-major team, uh, a Power 5 team wants to go get a football coach, they'll pay just about any number, right? But in basketball, yeah. it's substantially different. Yeah, and look, if you're Ohio State, let's say, you already paid $15 million, quote-unquote, to buy out Chris Holt, and now that number's going to get cut by the offset clause and whatever, but you theoretically paid $15 million. You're going to really spend another 10 to get Nate Oates out of his contract. Then you're going to pay Nate Oates $6 million a year. Then you're going to pay his staff $4 million. And then you're going to have to spend $3 million a year on players. Like, the, the faucet's not infinite, guys. Like, the, there is a, a point where there is too much money spent here. Like, that, that's, that's just not a realistic thing in my mind. And I, I'd be surprised if we see anything that drastic this cycle. Now, one name that you haven't brought up, and obviously he's not at a, at a, at a big spot right now, but he has been previously, that would be the American gangster Will Wade, 23 and 3, first in the Southland at McNeese State. Um, do you think people are ready to hop back into that sweepstakes, hop back into the, the Will Wade experience? Because, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is a lot of the things that ailed him in the past and the issues with recruiting may be a little bit nullified in the new age of, of college basketball. But do you think that there could be some takers? Obviously, jobs have to open up. But do you think that people are, are noticing what he's doing and thinking about hiring him? Yes, 100%. Um, Will did a great job at LSU. I, I think people are very confident he would win at most places. I think there's a lot of places that just won't hire him because he was such a renegade about how he did things. Right? It's not about oh, He never changed players, right? either, right? Like he, his, his mindset never switched. I mean, look, he eventually got fired from LSU, not because he paid players, but because he was bribing people to not give phone records to the NCAA. <laughs> right. like, like, the guy was nuts, and it was off the rails, and that's going to make it hard for certain places to hire him. Uh, look, I think, I mean, if you want to work your way down the list here, right? Like, okay, Arkansas opens up because Eric Musselman gets Louisville. Okay, well, Arkansas could hire Will Wade. I don't think that's the most likely situation, though. I think Chris Beard becomes the top candidate at Arkansas. Obviously, it ties from when he was at Little Rock. Okay, so now Ole Miss is open. They just hired one kind of renegade, shaky hire. Why not again, right? Like, so I think something like that is how you get Will Wade a job. I don't think one of the, the biggest jobs of the cycle is likely to go his way, but 
I certainly could see him back in the SEC as soon as next year. Now, let me let you in on Memphis Tigers Twitter. There's a lot of people calling for Will Wade right now. Now, obviously, I think it's way too early to even think about firing Penny Hardaway. But what do you like when it comes to like Penny and, and his seat and warmth and that type of thing? Like, what, what, where do you think it's at right now? Obviously, I, I may have a little bit more insight considering like being in the city, understanding who Penny Hardaway's celebrity is within this city. But with the results that, that are sort of on the table this year, like, I feel like if his name was anything other than Penny Hardaway, that seat would be pretty damn warm at this moment. Yeah, look, I think it's really, really hard when you get into these marriages with, you know, the former player, the guy in that town. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's so much harder to, to, to end the era smoothly if things go poorly, right? Like, it, this would not be a clean breakup. Uh, that's why I don't think there's any, there's much, if any, likelihood that it, it moves this spring. Maybe, you know, again, if there was an NBA opportunity for him or a way that you could make a clean break, maybe that happens. But I think you enter next year with a little bit more urgency. Um, I think it will take time for a lot of the people that, that matter to, to turn on Penny. Um, and, and look, like, if, if, if there was a guy that would, would make sense there, it would be Will Wade. Like, I will tell you that. Like, that would be, that would be the, the kind of perfect Memphis Memphis type hire, but uh, I, I don't foresee it opening at this point. I think it's more of a this type of bad season sets you up to to make next year an important one. All right, now last thing for Kevin Sweeney, we're gonna we're gonna play a little game here. UConn, Houston, Purdue, I think are all contenders. No one's going to deny that. Anybody, any one of those three, um, you could definitely see. Um, winning it all this year. And I think I saw, like, for final four odds on most sports books, the fact that UConn's minus 105 is absolutely nuts. But outside of that, let's go through the top ten. Just tell me contender, pretender. Let's start with Arizona. Contender. Contender. I hear that. Okay, Tommy Lloyd, man. I, I, he's been he's been absolutely unbelievable. Tennessee. Uh, contender. I know the March questions are, the, are what they are, but I think the way that they play this year gives them an opportunity to make a run. Iowa State. Pretender. I don't think they can score enough. Marquette. Uh, pretender. don't think they have the NBA-level talent. You need to make a, make a true run. This is an interesting one. This is a very interesting one to me. Duke. Whew, I d- debate this one every day. <laughs> right. uh, I'm going to lean towards pretender with Duke. I don't think they have the toughness. Okay. Kansas. Uh, another one I debate every day. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll say contender because Bill Self and no other reason than that. Right? He isn't this. It's a complete. We've talked about this in the past. It's a completely different setup though than than he's than he's had sort of the past ten years. I, I was talking about this the other day. Like the last time he really dumped it down to a big consistently. I guess you could talk about Joel Embiid, but he was hurt for a lot of that season. But it was like Cole Aldrich is sort of the last guy I remember as a big that was as high usage as Hunter Dickinson is within his offense. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, they haven't. They they like to be able to post the ball. Um, you know, I think they. I think the question with them is more: Do they have the guards to go with? And I think Kevin McCullough has been that guy at times, but the lack of depth beyond that, I think, has been a challenge. And it's, it's, I think it's what will hold them back if they do do miss out or get bounced early because of the guard play. And then final one, and I'll let you roll, North Carolina. Oof, I'm going to say pretender there. Just don't love how they've been playing lately. I hear you. Well, Kevin, I appreciate it, man. We'll do this thing again soon. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. That is Kevin Sweeney, uh, college basketball writer for Sports Illustrated. Also, he is a contributor to Field of 68. Check out all of his work on his uh, X account. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.